Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in. It is another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, where we talk District 4 activities week in, week out in the great state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey. We're joined today by Stretch Armstrong, a.k.a. Scott Burton. What up, Stretch? <laughs> hey, what's going on, Brandon? Yeah, Stretch just kind of falls into uh, the the category of what Scott's thoughts are this week about spreading yourself too thin. So, Stretch. Gotcha. See what I did there? Yeah. For those that are unfamiliar, uh, Stretch Armstrong was a toy when Scott grew up as a kid. And and it was still around when I grew up as a kid, too. Uh, uh, But basically, it was this kind of wrestler looking guy. And he had these really long arms you could stretch out. And there was this goo inside. I only know know what was inside because my brother and I broke ours when we were kids. Well, that was the whole goal of those toys is to find out what's going on inside. Because, you know, nowadays... You, you break it open to see what's inside. It's batteries. <laughs> right. <laughs> Back then, it was goo and some, some something they grabbed off an of INL <laughs> dump site. It didn't matter. But that's the cool thing about growing up with toys in the 80s is they weren't plugged in. They weren't electric, you know. And you could stretch them. You could pull them apart. And, and I remember, you know, having a, a blast with Slinky and Play-Doh and, and all that kind of stuff. And Lincoln Logs. I mean, do Lincoln Logs and Tinker Toys anymore? No. And they, our listeners probably don't even know what they are unless they grew up with us or me in the 80s. So uh, those are the good old days, Brandon. I know. Uh, so one quick story about Stretch Armstrong, and then we'll get into the actual prep cast proper. So my brother and I had a stretch. We're like 17 months apart, so we're pretty close in age. Uh, we had a Stretch Armstrong when we were kids. We stretched it too far. It broke. The goo went everywhere. We kind of like quickly like scooped it into the corner, and then like all kids do, we just put a piece of furniture to hide it, <laughs> and we <laughs> and then we kind of forgot about it because uh, we didn't want to get in trouble. And um, fast forward like six years later, and we're actually moving out of that house into a new one, and so we're packing all this stuff up and my dad all of a sudden was like, what is this in the corner? It's all dried on the carpet. And, uh, good heavens. Did anybody ever just like vacuum at your house? Like move. Things <laughs> vacuum? So, uh, not in oh, that corner, sure. apparently, apparently so. not. Well, all right. You know where to hide the body next time. That's right. So yeah, the, uh, the remains of stretch Armstrong are probably still in that house. I don't know how you get that out of the carpet once it's, dried but anyways uh it's gonna be a, an interesting time uh into the postseason where uh you mentioned it how do you stretch yourself out because athletic directors are having to grapple with state cross country this weekend in pocatello at the portnip wellness complex state mm-hmm. volleyball tournaments going on up north in north idaho and the uh district swimming is happening and the state uh football playoffs begin this week as well and we're going to get to all of that momentarily but first we're going to take a quick peek back at the week that was and specifically state soccer tournaments scott these took place over in the treasure valley last week we had some good performances both on the boys and girls sides but we've got to talk about wood river coming through with the boys for a championship they defeat sandpoint in the title match three to one congratulations wood river yeah boy what a what a great uh, accomplishment for wood river i mean they came in as the number one seed uh, in the tournament. In fact, uh, the Great Basin had the top two seeds, Canyon Ridge number two. And, uh, you know, for <clears throat> for Wood River and their program, 
you know, they, when you look at the bracket and anytime, no matter what the sport is, you're going to have to have some things fall your way. I don't care if you're a number one seed, a four seed or whatever. And in that opening round, number two, Canyon Ridge lost to Blackfoot. And then number three, Caldwell lost to Sandpoint. And then all of a sudden, what River's like, holy crap, if we can get by Bishop Kelly, we, we should be able to do this, right? And so they opened with a, a win against Idaho Falls, three to one. They got really two quick goals uh, to start it off on Thursday to kind of set the tone. And they got out of that one, three to one. And then they move into that, that thriller with Bishop Kelly in the semifinal, scoreless, and then on to penalty kicks we go. And uh, Wood River able to pull that one out five to four. Um, ben Torres had a huge save in goal uh, for Wood River uh, on that penalty kick shootout. And uh, Brandon Marquin, he scored. And boy, what what a thrilling, thrilling game it was for Wood River. And, and if you're a fan and you're watching brackets and you're and you're doing your own little bracketology, you, you couldn't help but think we just watched the championship match. And that's nothing against Sandpoint, um, but in the championship game, it was all Wood River three to one over Sandpoint. Yeah, and it's it happens so often in soccer, especially since we started seeding the teams where those lower seeded teams mm -hmm. pull the upset because in soccer, all it takes is you could play great for seventy nine of the eighty minutes of the match, but in that one minute, a slip up, one mistake. You could be down one nothing, and so that was great for Wood River to uh, survive in advance. And I love how in the in the penalty kick shootout, we always focus on the guys who scored. Very rarely do we mention the guys stopping the shots. So I'm glad you gave a shout out to Ben Torres, the goalkeeper, too, because sometimes they get overshadowed a little bit. I think when we're discussing penalty kick shootouts, yeah, and well, and you look at it, it was five to four, you know, and that's you don't see that a whole lot, and which means one stop was the difference and Torres is the one that made the stop and and uh, you don't get anywhere in soccer without a decent goalie I don't know how many times I've heard coaches say man if we just had a goalkeeper you know um, it would be a lot easier because they can they can attack but they can't they can't defend you know and so uh, great job by Torres to get that one stop they needed Yep. And of course, uh, the fans love the penalty kick shootouts. The coaches despise them because <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is a true wild card at that point. Just ask Canyon Ridge. They lost to Blackfoot in yeah. the opening round on penalty kicks four to two. So uh, it's the way she goes. Sometimes. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and for this Wood River team, it was, you know, quite an experience, too. I mean, they they kind of made it an entire um, I don't want to say vacation because it wasn't a vacation, but they but they made it their own. Right. And so they hung out at the student union building at Boise State, having pizza Thursday night. And then they went and watched uh, Boise State women's soccer team uh, beat Nevada. You know, uh, they got up on the in the mornings and they they all went on nature walks. They all kind of did all this together and then culminating with team meetings, you know, in the evenings. And so they just really kind of made it an event for them um, and, and and quite an experience. And they were just you know, tickled. And this team represents their community well. And, and when I was talking to Coach Gregory about it, um, he just alluded to the same thing that we talked about, I think, last week or the week before, whatever, in one of the segments that we had about how a team represents their community, you know, and the way they behave, the way they act. 
And that was one of the things he, he mentioned about this group. He goes, this team represents our community very well, you know, from freshmen to seniors, different backgrounds and experience. Um, and they just represented Wood River well. So congratulations again to Wood River Boys Soccer State Champs. Yeah, way to go. Uh, real quick, I did want to mention the 3A Boys Soccer Tournament as well. Shout out to the Cutthroats from Sun Valley Community School. Got to the championship where they, they lost to a very good Sugar Salem team 2-1. to one. I mean, you're talking about probably a handful of plays, and, and Sun Valley is, is winning another soccer championship. But second place is a great showing. And the flip side of that, we talked about Wendell going into the yeah. state soccer tournament as well, Scott. They lost in penalty kicks in their opener to McCall Donnelly, three to two. But, you know, true to that Wendell mantra, they didn't pack it in. They they continued to fight and they came all the way back to win the consolation final and get that uh, black trophy for, for winning the consolation side of the bracket. So congrats to both Sun Valley and Wendell coming home with trophies as well. Yeah, there were some really good soccer teams in this bracket. I mean, it, it went chalk as far as the championship goes. And, you know, for the start with Sun Valley, I mean, a couple of shutout wins to start the tournament, one over uh, Coeur d'Alene Charter and the other one over American Falls. So they head into the championship match with Sugar, not having allowed a goal yet in the, in the tournament. And then Sugar, you know, Sugar was really lucky to make it out of that uh, semifinal round as it took overtime to get by McCall Donnelly, who just about became the darling of the tournament, you know, knocking off Wendell and then nearly knocking off number one seed Sugar. And uh, and then McCall Donnelly had that little hangover in the third place game, falling to American Falls in penalty kicks. But Sun Valley losing two to one in that championship match to Sugar. And then Wendell rebounding and then cruising through that loser's bracket. They knocked off you know, after losing to McCall Donnelly, knocking off Fruitland four to one, and then beating Coeur Charter four to nothing. So hardware for Wendell, hardware for Sun Valley. You know, it was a really good showing for those for those teams. Yeah, way to go, Magic Valley Soccer Clubs, uh, competing well throughout the season and also at the state tournament. And uh, congrats on a job well done. And now uh, those athletes get ready to move on to uh, maybe a winter sport. Scott could be basketball, could be wrestling. Uh, some will move to indoor soccer and that's, yeah. uh, that's fine too. So, uh, well, we talked about that with Wendell. Wendell said that, that that's what they do. That's what those kids do in Wendell. It's soccer year round. I mean, so those kids in Wendell are going to be moving right into that indoor soccer. Yep. We'll be, uh, keeping an eye on, on that as well. All right, Scott, uh, state volleyball is this weekend. Uh, we recorded a, a state volleyball preview special, kind of independent of all the prep casts this week. Myself and Lindsay Togiai Afuk, we broke down all the brackets. We uh, gave our championship predictions. We picked our dark horse teams. We gave a player to watch from every single team. Um, so you can get all your state volleyball content there. Uh, we broke them up into classification previews on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel. I also put the big preview into this podcast feed. So if you subscribe to the Magic Valley PrepCast on your favorite podcast app, you can listen to our state volleyball preview as well. Big stories from the Magic Valley just quickly, you know, going into state volleyball are Kimberly defending 3A champs. Can they run it back? Uh Canyon Ridge and Twin Falls at the 4A tournament. You know, both have had trials and tribulations this year. We'll see what they can do. 
Declo comes in as the number eight seed in the 2A tournament um, because they come from a small conference. You know, what can they do? And then in the 1As, you're looking at Murtaugh potentially competing for a top three finish. Uh, and Oakley is there competing as well. And then at the 1A D2 level, Dietrich survives a slugfest with Richfield to get out of districts. And now what can the Blue Devils do on the state stage? But um, we'll see what happens with our Magic Valley teams and good luck to all of them at state this week. Yeah, there's a lot of representation from the Magic Valley in these things. And, you know, there's some really good teams uh, around the state. I mean, we talk in the forays with Twin and Canyon Ridge, and we know that they're both really good. I mean, Canyon Ridge is kind of had their, their their struggles, but they got it together and enough to get there. Twin peaked at the right time. And in 4A, it's all about Skyview. It always has been, hasn't it? But Skyview comes in the number three ranked team in the state behind number one Bonneville and number two Lakeland. So who knows what's going to happen in the 4A. And then, well, you know, you look at the 3A too, defending champ and undefeated Kimberly, number three seed. So yeah, go, go figure. There's some really good volleyball teams that are going to be playing this weekend. I, I think for a whole lot of different reasons, we're going to have to do another max preps based episode very soon scott <laughs> yeah yeah um we get into some football brackets may hint at that just a little bit we'll see yeah and the process and the machinations and there is a lot to unpack there um yeah, there is. we we will do so uh on a future episode for sure uh but good luck to all our state volleyball teams you can check all that uh state volleyball preview content at the idaho sports.com youtube channel or in this podcast all right, Scott, it is time to take a look now at the state football brackets. We have arrived to the postseason opening round of the playoffs starts. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday, October 26th. This starts tonight with, yeah. with a Magic Valley matchup. Uh, a couple of them, actually, a couple of Thursday night games. And we'll get to those in a moment. I figured we would just go classification by classification and what i'll do is i'll share my screen so you can see the brackets so as you're watching this video on the idahosports.com youtube channel or facebook page you'll be able to see the brackets up on the screen and follow along if you're listening at idahosports.com or wherever you download your podcast it's all good we've got the brackets right at the top of the home page and you can follow along that way as well so let's start with class 4A, Scott, this big 16-team gargantuan bracket. And let's start with the district champs from Twin Falls. They get on the strength of that win over Minico last week and in commanding fashion, they jump from about the 6 or 7 seed to the number 4 seed. And they will host number 13 seed Lakeland Friday night at 7 o'clock at Twin Falls High School. Every week, Scott, we do the IdahoSports.com Pick 6, where uh, all the prep casters pick six games uh, across the state, one from each classification, and we predict who we think will win. Mm -hmm. I, I was the only person who picked Twin Falls to beat Minico last week. <sighs> and I'll tell you what, when the game was over, the players had the receipts. They had that queued up and ready to go. Brandon's the GOAT. He's the only one that believed in us. I am oh, a welcome man in Twin Falls. Yeah, you are. And I saw that. And it's amazing how many people are following our picks right now. And I, look, it doesn't surprise me that Twin won the game. All right. So let's just start there. But the way that they dominated that game, especially coming out of the locker room in the second half, because you go into halftime and you're thinking, hey, this, this is going to be a good ball game. And then Twin just boom, boom. Touchdown, touchdown. I think he had a pick six and a return for a touchdown or something like that. And next thing you know, it's blown wide open. And Twin 
man, they really flex some muscle. So congratulations to them. I'm not surprised. And I'll take them this week. How's that? Yes, I, th I think the Bruins are playing their best football at the right time, and they get a pretty good first-round matchup here. Lakeland comes mm -hmm. in as the 13 seed. Lakeland has been banged up all year, Scott. They have been without their starting quarterback since basically the first game of the year. Uh, at one point, they had to play three or four games with their third-string quarterback. Like Even the second-string guy was hurt. Now, the second-string guy is back, and that has steadied the ship a little bit, but mm -hmm. also complicating things for Lakeland is their best offensive player running back lovey wheel has been out for you know half of the season as well and he is slowly working his way back he's been on a, somewhat of a pitch count um but i think he might be ready to go for the playoffs full bore but this is a lakeland team that doesn't have great depth they have a lot of two-way starters so they tend to wear down as the game progresses and this to me just all plays into twin falls's hands i think we both like the bruins here yes oh yeah i i think so and you know one of the biggest things about you know, heading into state tournament times, you got to be healthy. And if you're not healthy, then, you know, you, you just have a really hard time surviving. And, you know, twin right now is, is relatively healthy. They've got a, a ton of, of, of really good players, a lot of good playmakers um, coming in with an eight and one record. Their only loss is to Pocatello, who's also in this tournament. And, uh, and like you said, twin falls probably playing their best, football of the year right now, especially coming off of that big, big convincing Great Basin championship win over Minico. Lakeland, you know, and the thing about Lakeland is you just always don't know what you're going to get because of the schedule that they play. But even bigger than that is, like you said, it's the injuries. This one is all twin falls. Yep, completely agree. As for Minico, the team that finished second in the Great Basin Conference, uh, they got one of the auto bids. There were two available from the Great Basin, and the eight auto bids automatically get the top eight seeds. Now, Minico would have been a top eight seed regardless. They check in as the number seven seed, Scott. They will host number 10 seed Emmett. Friday night, 7 o'clock at Minico High. This is a game we will be broadcasting on IdahoSports.com. Scott, you will be on the call for this one. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. I'm a little worried for Minico here. I think Emmett is a potentially dangerous team lurking. Emmett is very dangerous, and it's because of the style of football they play. And oddly enough, it does have some resemblance to Minico because Emmett is going to be one of those teams that is physical. You know, you look at, they're coming in with a six and three record. Their losses are, you know, to Skyview, to Twin Falls, and to Bishop Kelly. And, well, guess what? Guess who's in the tournament? And this particular Emmett team, if, if you let them push you around, they will own you because they rely on the physical style of football. And that's what they want to do. And they want to beat Minico down into a, a position to where they just they just can't stand up and take another punch. You know, Minico's got that tempo offense. They want to get up and they want to get going. Emmett, on the other hand, they're going to be throwing multiple looks at you defensively. I mean, watching film on these, these guys, it's they're odd fronts, even fronts. They're going to drop back into some cover three, cover two, um, man up. They're going to do a lot of different things because what they want the opposing quarterback to do is to come up to the line and see something different every time. And then in the trenches, they want to beat you up because this is a team that is committed to the weight room. And so that's why Emmett poses such a, an interesting 
threat, I guess, to Minico um, because of their physicality and because defensively they really try to mix things up. So this this will be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to call this one. It's a, a number seven versus number 10, um, both coming in with six and three records tomorrow night at Minico. Should be a great one. And Emmett really is like a tale of two stories here where there was – the, the stretch of the season where they played with no quarterback, basically mm -hmm. where they took Isaac Brennan, a wide receiver and played him at quarterback early on. And they had some narrow wins over Fruitland, which is not a good team. And they did beat five, a Lake city with, with Brennan at quarterback. And then they got their QB back Ryder Scheibe. And since then Brennan's moved yep. back to receiver. Quentin Smith has been more involved in the running game. And you saw it. They only lost to Bishop Kelly by a touchdown. And Bishop mm -hmm. Kelly is the, you know, number one in the polls, number two seed overall. Does that say more about BK or Emmett? I guess we'll find out soon, but I don't know. I just have a bad feeling here about Minico and I'll go on the record. And again, Minico nation, I'd love to come back and be wrong next week, but I, I have a sneaking suspicion. Emmett can come over and get the job done. So, uh, you know what? And I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, those first four games they played without, you know, up to seven starters Emmett did. And so that first half of the season, you know, you just it wasn't the same team. It's not the same team. And now they're healthy. And their quarterback came back and played their first, his first game of the year against twin, you know, and so he had to still get his feet wet and get get his rhythm going. Um, but this is a healthy Emmett team that's dangerous. And um, I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna see. And Minico's got to get over this losing in the first round bit because I mean, they didn't last year or um, right. over the Two, last couple of years, yep. first round at Minico hasn't been kind to them. So I don't know. This is going to be a great game. I'm excited for it. Very interesting for sure. Uh, two other teams got in from the Great Basin Conference, Burley and Canyon Ridge. Burley took third. Canyon Ridge took fourth. They played each other last Friday, and Burley won in a somewhat close matchup. Uh, Burley comes in as the number 15 seed. They'll travel to number two, Bishop Kelly. They already hosted BK earlier this year. It was pretty one-sided. Um, and as for Canyon Ridge, they're the 16 seed. They've got to go to undefeated Hillcrest, the number one seed. If that wasn't bad enough, Scott, their, their stud quarterback, Connor Willis, broke his collarbone. He's done. And so I just, you know, Burley and Canyon Ridge, it's great that they got to the playoffs. I just yeah. don't, I don't envision a path where they can, can, can get a win here. No, no. Start with the, uh, start with Canyon Ridge. I mean, it, 16 versus one. I mean, that's really all you need to know. And Hillcrest is number one for a reason. I mean, they're nine and oh, they're playing in a, in a really tough part of the state and Canyon Ridge having that, that big injury, uh, hey, congratulations on getting there, but uh, I think it stops there for Burley. You know, Burley and who knows? I mean, Bishop Kelly is Bishop Kelly. They are solid and they, they should win the game. They they beat Burley earlier, 59 to 7. But, you know, I mean, at least Burley's got a game under their belt with them and maybe they can make a few adjustments and 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 battle and keep it close. Well, I mean, we'll see, but it's just a tough task for Canyon Ridge and Burley to go up against number one and number two uh, on the road. Yeah, but good luck to both of them, uh, both the Bobcats mm -hmm. and the Riverhawks. Uh, they will play Friday night, respectively, at each of these venues. Uh, so Canyon Ridge will be at Hillcrest. That game is actually going to be played at Thunder Stadium, uh, which Bonneville uh, and Hillcrest used to share. Uh, and then uh, you also have Burley at Bishop Kelly, 7 o'clock Friday night at BK's Field also. So that's the 4A bracket 
Let's move to 3A, Scott, where uh, your district champion, Kimberly, uh, gets slotted as the number three seed overall. The five district champs automatically get the top three seeds or top five seeds for this first round. And then what happens is after the first round, everything gets reseeded and Kimberly will actually move down a couple of slots behind Teton and Weezer, a couple of second place finishers from other districts. But for now, Kimberly is the three seed and they'll host an old familiar face district rival Gooding. They got the last playoff spot. The senators did. They're the number 14 seed overall. This game will be Thursday night, tonight, seven o'clock. Scott, you'll be on the call for this one on IdahoSports.com. Yeah, for two weeks in a row, it's going to be Kimberly taking on Gooding. And last week, it was all Kimberly 45 to nothing. You know, hopefully Gooding can keep it close, make it a game. Um, but, you know, Kimberly is certainly in the driver's seat here. And, and you know, that, that one day when we get to max preps, um, I've got a lot to say about this bracket. And I'll just leave it at that. So, um, yeah, so Kimberly Gooding tonight kick it off and then you know you've got some other magic valley teams in there i mean wood river for the second year in a row but you know they're gonna have to travel to snake river as the 13 seed travels to the number four and um you also have uh, uh buell in there coming in at the number nine seed and they're going to mccall donnelly whoa what a trip that's going to be and uh, so and, and that could be a real close game i'm that game has got my attention because I really, I like Buell in this one. Interesting. Okay. Now this was one of the games we had this week on the Idaho sports pick six. Mm -hmm. I went the opposite way. I picked McCall Donnelly here in the nine versus eight. I'm really high on this Vandals team. Their only two losses this year to were to Weezer and Homedale, the two uh -huh. teams in their district. And both games were close for most of the game before Homedale and Weezer pulled away late. They also have a win over Timberlake, the top team from the North this year. And I think in general, they've competed pretty well. I think Buell is a year away. I think Buell's got a lot of young sophomores and juniors, and I think this will be a good experience for them. And I think next year we'll see them really rocking and rolling. Um, but again, I would love to be wrong in Nian's nation. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I we'll would see. too, because that you, I think you caught me in the, in the picks. You were one back and now we're tied. <laughs> That's so, right. Yeah. We got to have something go my way here this week. <laughs> I don't yep. use that in place very well. <laughs> right. Um, and then as for Wood River, the number 13 seed, they've got to travel to number four, Snake River. Now, Snake River is only the four seed because they won District 5, Scott. Snake River in reality in Max Preps is like eight. eight. On the um, new, on the refreshed one. Yes. So yeah, I sure. I think, we'll believe that. it or not, I think Wood River got the best draw in terms of a first-round opponent. I think this is a winnable game for Wood River, certainly. I mean, Snake River was losing at halftime to American Falls two weeks ago, a, yeah. a two, a two and seven American falls team. And, and they rallied late to win. And I think with Wood River, we talked about this kid a couple weeks ago, but Conrad Foster coming over from the soccer team, he's got yeah. a leg and that can be a factor in the playoffs. I think having a kicker as a weapon like that. Oh, absolutely. It changes the whole dynamic of how you approach things offensively, you know, knowing that you have a, you don't have to go for it on fourth and 20 you know, from the 30 yard line, you know, it's just, it changes everything, but, but you're right. Wood River got a really good draw here. And um, I don't know, it, it's, it's definitely gettable for the Wolverines. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. That'll be uh, so Wood River at snake river Friday night, seven o'clock uh, Buell at McCall Donnelly Friday night, six o'clock. 
on idahosports.com. We will have video coverage of that game so Buell fans can tune in and watch the Indians. And then, of course, Thursday night, Scott Gooding at Kimberly, also on idahosports.com. They can tune in and listen to you on the call there. All right, 2A bracket, Scott. Declo wins the conference championship over Wendell in, in a pretty decisive fashion, this two-team conference. Um, they are going to be the number one seed throughout the playoffs because of that win over Westside that we talked about a couple weeks yep. ago. So yep. they're going to rest up and uh, get ready for the first uh, for the quarterfinal round. Meanwhile, Wendell did get in. They got the yeah. uh, basically the number four at large seed. Now they're going to have to travel to Bear Lake, the defending state champions, Friday night for a seven o'clock showdown. I think you know I, I I've seen Bear Lake play with my own eyes. I I called one of the Bear Lake games earlier this year. I've seen plenty of Wendell on film. Just the eye test tells me Wendell is a better team than Bear Lake. I I agree with you. I think Wendell is primed to win this game. I think you know I mean Bear Lake. Records are pretty similar, four and four for Bear Lake, five and four for Wendell. But, you know, Wendell is playing well. I, I like their schedule. And I, I, I agree with you. I like Wendell in this, even though they're the number four traveling to the number three. And, and this particular bracket is, I, I, I don't know, I like the way they do it. It's interesting, you know, because you've got 12 teams in it, but uh, five of them get a bye. What? Uh, two, three, four, five, six champs get a buy. And then you've got these at large berths and then they receive the whole thing again. So um, I, I really like this bracket. I like Wendell. And as far as the other Magic Valley teams, you know, I, this is Declos to lose. I just like Declo. Yeah, I, I like this bracket. It's a good balance of rewarding your district champs, right? Mm -hmm. you, get, yeah. you get a first round by and then making the teams that took second. OK, there's still a path for you to play your way into the field of eight. But, you know, you're going to have to go get a win against uh, a tough opponent. So I do think this is one of the more balanced brackets that we'll see here. This this two way. Well, so good luck. Well, it is. And the, the, the thing I noticed about this bracket when I was just kind of looking at all the teams that had qualified in all the other brackets, you know, all the other brackets have got a couple, two, three teams, four, sometimes maybe more in the bracket with losing records, right? This particular bracket has just one team in it with a losing record. And that's the number five at large Firth. They're coming in at three and four. You know, even the number six at large Marsing comes in five and three. But there are some really good football teams with some really respectable records in this 2A bracket. Yeah, I think that's another topic we could, you know, pontificate on down the road is, you know, how many teams is too many teams? I think 4A and 3A are maybe a little oversaturated right now in terms mm -hmm. of the playoff field. And I think 2A has hit that sweet spot for sure. All right, let's go to the eight-man brackets. Now, we broke these down uh, last night, Scott, on the Idaho eight-man prep cast, myself and Will Henneke and the coach, Lane Kirkland. So if you want to really get the deep dive on the eight-man game, of course, you should listen to that every week but um in this bracket uh for the 1a d1 ranks oakley was the district champion they got the number one overall seed and the first round by uh murta ends up taking second they beat lighthouse christian in a game that wasn't particularly close and then carrie actually took third place they were part of a three-way tie with lighthouse and valley but carrie <clears throat> Carrie, excuse me, actually finishes third, which was important because there were only three auto bids available from the league this year. Now, everybody else 
still got in via the at large. Um, but for Kerry, it was nice to know they had that security blanket. And despite Kerry technically finishing in third, they're still seated below Valley and Lighthouse Christian, which I thought was pretty interesting. But let's talk about the game that's happening Thursday night, seven o'clock in Murtaugh on IdahoSports.com. It is Lighthouse Christian at Murtaugh. Second year in a row this has happened, Scott, where the Lions and Devils have played each other in the regular season finale, and then they got to turn around less than a week later and play each other in the opening round of the playoffs. Yeah, and that is a really interesting thing when you have to turn around and play somebody two weeks in a row. And, you know, last week it was all Murtaugh. I mean, they doubled up plus 63 to 30 over Lighthouse. I mean, this Murtaugh team is pretty stinking good. But when you when you're lighthouse having to play them two times in a row after getting beat, I mean, really, you've got nothing to lose. Murtaugh's the one that needs to kind of be on alert here just because you just thumped them. Now you're going to play him again. What is your mindset, right? Are you going to be looking past this game because you beat them by 33 or are you going to dial it in because it's the playoffs? And, and, and I think that's the interesting thing about playing a team back to back one to end the regular season then to start the tournament. So last year, Scott Murtaugh won the regular season finale, got to host Lighthouse. Lighthouse came down to Murtaugh and stole the win in the first round. So Murtaugh yep. is hoping to avoid a similar fate. Exactly I did want to give I'm talking about. Yep. <laughs> yep. I did want to give a shout out to Junior Benitez from Murtaugh. He only got to play, you know, three games last year before a season ending injury. He's been healthy the entire year. It's been so fun to watch him run the ball every week. Last week, Scott, 302 rushing yards and seven touchdowns for Murtaugh. Wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that's, that is, that's impressive. Yeah. This kid is fun to watch. And, uh, you know, and like you said, last year was so kind of disappointing just because he couldn't play and you knew this kid was special and now he's getting to put it on full display. And he's one of the main, main reasons that Murtaugh is so tough this year. Definitely. So, so Murtaugh likes to run the ball, obviously with junior Benitez and company lighthouse Christian spreads it out. They throw it around with their great senior quarterback, justice Schrader. You know, if we had the budget of like an ESPN or a Fox sports, we'd have all these graphics, you know, it's justice Schrader and the lions taking on junior Benitez and the red devils. You know what the funny thing is, Scott, neither one of those guys played in last year's playoff matchup. Junior was out with the season ending injury. Justice Schrader got hurt uh, in the regular season finale against uh, Murtaugh last year. And famously, Case Van Leeuwen moved from wide receiver to quarterback and helped pilot the Lions to the upset win. So it's going to be interesting to see both of these guys healthy and playing in the playoffs for the first time against one another also. Oh, yeah, no no question. And, and the cool thing about this game is they're just two contrasting styles. I mean, it's uh, Air Schrader, you know, taking on the ground and pound. And it's a lot of it's going to be controlling the clock, you know, and um, I, I love the contrasting styles because there's a certain chess match between coaches in there uh, about how you try to control the clock. You know, what do you do defensively to slow a team down like Lighthouse through the air? And then for Lighthouse, you know, I mean, having having a guy run the football like that all the time is it, it, it beats you down and it wears you out if you're just constantly giving up you know, seven yards in a cloud of dust and making tackles and your defense is out on the field that long because a lot of these guys are two-way starters and, and the defensive side of things is where you really get tired. 
Yeah, tough to get thumped on play after play like that, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, let's talk about Valley. They are the uh, number four at-large team that qualified. They are going to host Potlatch in a pretty interesting first round. And these teams are very similar. Dynamic dual-threat quarterbacks, uh, Josh Hardy for Valley, Jack Clark for Potlatch. Both teams can light up the scoreboard. Both teams also have a propensity for allowing points to the opposing team sometimes as well. Uh, I do like Valley here at home. I think they're kind of a sneaky team that it wouldn't surprise me if Valley's playing in the final four at some point. I, I like Valley here as well. I mean, this is a team that that it really centers around Josh Hardy. I mean, if he can get it going, then he's a hard guy to stop. And, and Valley is no stranger to you know, eight man success because it was just a few years ago, they won the whole thing. Um, and they have just been able to, to really score a lot of points this year. You know, they ran into a couple of stumbling blocks um, in their, what are they, five and four right now? I mean, they lost to Butte County, solid team, uh, lost to Murtaugh in a defensive battle, 62 to 58. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then we talked about their loss to carry eight to six. I mean, that one was just an anomaly and, and carry figured out that if you're going to have, if you're going to have a chance against Valley, you've got to figure out a way to stop Hardy and carry did that. Now, the interesting about thing about that game is how much of a blueprint did that provide for the other teams, maybe potlatch to go back and look at that film and say, what did Carrie do? Because obviously they stumbled onto something. And so we'll see what potlatch does uh, to contain Hardy. Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting battle for sure. I think the most intriguing of the first round matchups by far. And then you talked about Carrie. They get the number seven seed here for the opening round. They've got to travel to number two, Grace. This is a team they've gotten familiar with the last couple of years. Scott, they've played Grace each of the last two uh, opening weeks of the season. Uh, Last year, they lost to Grace seven to nothing. This year, they lost 36 to nothing. Talking to Coach Kirkland from Carrie last night on the prep cast, he said, "Uh, you know, before we beat them, we got to just score a touchdown first. I mean, that's the that's the first step. We haven't scored any points against them. And then from there, you know, maybe we can build on some momentum. Carey, I think, has the best defense of any of these teams that are playing in the opening weekend, except for Kamei. And Carey, mm-hmm. as long as that defense travels, they're going to have a chance. The problem is, is can the offense put enough together to, to get them a win? Yeah, this Carey team had, had had to find their stride. I mean, We've got a new coach, new system, new everything, and you know we're, we're we're moving on from the Kirkland name, which is just still hard to swallow when if you're a Kerry fan. But it took Kerry a bit to kind of figure out who they were. I mean, they started the season with four straight losses, you know, and one of those was the shutout loss to Grace. Uh, then they played Butte County and only scored eight points. Lighthouse they lost to, and then they lost to Oakley and only scored six. So they're still trying to figure out what's going on. And then it was that win against Valley, 8-6, that kind of springboarded this carry team into thinking, you know what, we can hang with some really good teams, and maybe defense is the way to do it. Don't know. They uh, lost to Glens Ferry, but they're starting to score points now. The offense is coming around. You know, they, they put up 32 on Glens Ferry and then, you know, they got thumped by Murtaugh, but they're, they put up some points and then they beat up on Raft River, put 44 on the board. So 
I, this carry team is interesting because it, it really did take them a while to figure out who they were. And I, I, they still may be figuring it out. Yeah. I mean, it is head scratching. I mean, they, they, they beat Murtaugh pretty convincingly 32 to 12 and everyone yeah. was like, huh? And then, but then they lose to Glenn's Ferry, the last place team by two, 34, 32 coach Kirkland said, the key has been the defense has been forcing turnovers all year long, no matter who mm -hmm. the opponent was. He said, now finally carry is starting to cash in on those turnovers and right. actually turning those into points, which happened last week against rap river. The game was zero, zero until about five minutes to play before halftime carry scores. They force a three and out. They score again. And then Raft River fumbles at their own 30-yard line with like 30 seconds to go. Carey scores a third time to take a 0-0 game. And in the blink of an eye, it was 20 nothing at halftime. And if Carey can do that, I think they could be tough on the road. I think I put them in the category of Buell, where I think they're a year away still. They're a very young team. This will be a good experience. Grace got all the way to the 1-8-D-1 championship last year. But good luck to the Panthers. I would love to be wrong. Yeah, well, yeah, I would too. And I think I misspoke on the Murtaugh game. Um, but yeah, they did win that 32 to 12 and then followed that with a 44 point victory over Raft River. But you know what? The thing about this is, yeah, they did lose to Grace in the opener 36 to nothing. If nothing else, and they are a year away, then you look and see what are you going to do against Grace this time around? Can you close the gap? Even if you lose, you make it a game. It springsboards you into the next season. It's like, hey, look at the improvement that we made and the direction that we're going. So I think this game with Grace is a lot more than just a playoff game. Definitely. Uh, so we'll see. Good luck to the Panthers on the road. Friday night, 6 o'clock in Grace on IdahoSports.com. Uh, and again, if you want to see the full schedule of games, we're covering 17 Wow. Playoffs. You can click on the game streams tab on the homepage at idahosports.com. All right, Scott, finally 1A D2. Uh, it went just as we predicted. Camas County 1, Hagerman 2, Dietrich 3. Camas County gets a first round bye. They will get the winner of the game. I'm broadcasting Friday night, Scott, Garden Valley, and Clark Fork. So I'll be able to give you a detailed scouting report on the Mushers' opposition uh, heading into the quarterfinal round. But more specifically for Hagerman, Second place finisher, they get to host Mackey in the opening round of the playoffs. Scott, did you hear how Mackey qualified? It was pretty interesting. Why don't you fill me in there, Brandon? Okay, so it came down to a three-way tie for second place over in East Idaho in that conference between Water Springs, North Gem, and Mackey. And they had all beaten each other. Mackey beat Water Springs. Water Springs beat North Gem. North Gem beat Mackey. Well, the criteria they use to break the tie is point differential amongst the three teams when they played each other. Wow. So, so North Gem beat Mackey by six. Water Springs beat North Gem by six. So Mackey comes in knowing they played Water Springs last Friday. They said, we got to get the win, but it has to be by seven or more points. And we win this thing outright. If we win by only six, like everybody else, it goes to a coin flip and nobody wants that. So what do they do, Scott? They win by eight. <laughs> they got the bare minimum they needed to be wow. on the right side of the tiebreaker, and they're in. You know, and that's just uh, advantage macking, knowing that going in. Um, because Water Springs and North Gym, they had no clue. And then Mackey gets that advantage of knowing what they have to do. Well, you know, go get it done. And they did. But that is a scenario that you don't see very often. And conference, you know, the thing is, maybe people don't realize that a lot of times it's the conference rules that make the tiebreakers. It's not state, it's conference. So whatever your conference has 
designated as your tiebreaker is really what it is. And so that's the point differential between those three. But yeah, well, all right, Mackey's in and they get to go to Hagerman. You know, this this particular bracket, I mean, there's a couple of really good teams. I mean, you start with Kendrick, you know, the the machine that is known as Kendrick, uh, seven and zero. But last week they really got people's attention positively, negatively, whatever, by beating up on Deary 112 to six. Yeah. So people are talking about that one. Uh, I, I think, and I, I mean, just observing from a distance, um, a lot of that was scored in the first half and then they, they pulled the starters and kind of powered down from there. But uh, it's hard for Kendrick as well, because yes, it um, is. They don't get, I mean, this happens every game where the starters just aren't playing a full game's worth of reps. And Camus is kind of running into the same problem this year. Um, but more than that, Kendrick has a hard time getting teams to schedule them where several teams have backed out of commitments to play Kendrick as well. So they really do have to take advantage of the opportunities that yeah. they have before them. They only played seven games. A lot of these teams in the bracket played eight or even nine games. So, yeah, you know what? And that is such a good point, Brandon, because last week when we talked about in the Scott's thoughts, things about, you know, running up the score, there is always a game within the game and the, the, final score doesn't always dictate because the point you brought up is that Kendrick is a team that is so much better than everybody else. And they've got to get themselves ready somehow for state playoffs. And it's tough to get a team ready for state playoffs. If your starters don't ever get to play. And because of that, unfortunately, there's going to be some of those games where it's like, man, we got to leave our kids in because they have got to get some reps and, and you don't want them just to run dive the whole time. Just they're not going to get any better. So that game within the game really is something that you have to consider. And so, like I said, last week, the final score doesn't always tell the story. I don't know if it tells the story on one twelve to six, but <laughs> right. I, it, it's hard to it's hard not to see that just jump off the page and go, "What in the world is going on here?" Yeah, it was interesting for sure, and I think it. I think people would tell you Kendrick and Camas County are kind of on this collision course. They're on opposite sides of the yep. bracket. I do. I do like Hagerman over Mackey. I think Hagerman's a pretty good team, and honestly. I think Hagerman could go up to Mullen St. Regis and win that game as well. I mean, Mullen St. Regis as a district champ, maybe not as strong as a second place team from that really good district four. So right. Hagerman final four wouldn't surprise me at all. And then on the bottom half of the bracket, uh, or excuse me, right below Hagerman, we have Dietrich traveling mm -hmm. to council Thursday night, six o'clock on IdahoSports.com. Um, Dietrich to me, a lot of years coming in as the three seed, I would go. Yeah. That's that's not your typical three seed out of out of the district, and I'd give them a chance. But having to play council, one of the three best teams right out of the gates, is going to be tough for Coach Brody Estelle and company. Oh no, no question about it. They've got a they've got a tough draw, and even if they get by that, what's their reward? Oh, it's Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So anybody like in that little area of the bracket is like, really, come <laughs> on. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be a real tough task to, to face council. It's not the best draw for Dietrich. 
Yep. We'll see, though. Uh, good luck to the Blue Devils. They play Thursday night in Council, 6 o'clock on IdahoSports.com. Good luck to Hagerman as well. All right, Scott, those are the football brackets, and that means we're to the portion of the show where it's time for Scott's thoughts. Mm. And interesting topic this week. I wanted to talk about uh, overcommitting yourself because yeah. it happens to you. It happens to me. It happens to all of us. And then we find ourselves spinning too many plates and inevitably one of them is going to crash to the floor and break into <laughs> a billion pieces. So uh, how do you uh, prevent yeah. yourself from overcommitting yourself? Scott, take it away. Well, this one is tough because I feel like a giant hypocrite even talking about this because it is something that I'm guilty of as well as anyone else. So Here's what I came up with about taking on too much and spreading yourself too thin. A five-year-old boy is playing in his room, his toy box overflowing with fire trucks, GI Joes, helicopters, and all the toys a young boy could ask for. After a while, this boy walks up to his dad and says, Daddy, I want a new toy. The father takes a knee and looks his son in the eyes and says, getting a new toy is fine but you'll have to give up one you already have. We just don't have the room. And thus, this five-year-old boy learned his first lesson in overfilling your plate or your toy box in this case. Yet today, we don't get that lesson. It seems we constantly overextend ourselves, fill our plates to the brim, and accomplish nothing more than paying rent on Anxiety Avenue. So why do we do it? What makes us pile on to the point of tipping over. It seems like a pretty cut and dry topic with a simple solution, but for some reason, we have the biggest problem putting our foot down and saying no. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You feel like you've bitten off more than you can chew. The tiniest changes in your schedule upend your day. You constantly eat on the go. You don't sleep enough. You dream of running away. You do nothing well, always on the edge anxiety-ridden, you're not having fun, and your body is shutting down. Well, for me, that's a Tuesday. However, for some, that sounded like a big farm commercial where a new pill might be the answer, and sadly, this becomes another talking point in demands of a rigorous lifestyle. But if you notice, the physical detriment to this behavior is tremendous, and it's something that has taken a toll on our collective physical and mental health. Yet we continue to do this to ourselves. Why? Well, I think the need to take on too much is steeped in the idea that more is better, that quantity upstages quality, and that this hustle culture that we live in where success comes from total exertion every single day is the accepted norm. The result of all of this is manic compression, where you squeeze more and more into your life that eventually it comes apart at the seams. We stop being human beings and we turn into human doers. You know, there are a couple of other reasons this happens beyond societal norms. Did you know that always wanting to be busy is in the top four trauma responses? And that FOMO, the fear of missing out, is a driving force as to why we jump at every opportunity presented to us. We live in a world that almost admires the busyness. We brag about how busy we are, how many activities we're in, how many friends we have, and yet our involvement in these endeavors is nothing more than superficial because we don't have the time 
to invest in them. We truly miss out on life when we take on too much. Let me ask you, how many people truly know you? How many people can truly get to know you when you spread yourself so thin that you're almost invisible? Look, I get that we're busy people and that sometimes the mountain of items to check off on your way to the top gets ridiculous. And sometimes, hey, that's life. But the issue becomes our inability to shut it down. And sometimes we get overwhelmed, not because we take on too much, but because we take on too little of what strengthens us. So how do we stop making our schedule become our identity? Well, it starts with setting some boundaries and knowing who you are and what fits into your value system. For if you don't have a set of core values that govern your life, well, the world's going to ask you who you are. And if you don't know, the world's going to tell you. So cling to these principles and let them guide you in the decision to take on the next project or the responsibility that somebody wants to give you. And set yourself some boundaries and stick to them. For example, pick a time at night where you shut it all down. No phones, no computers, no exceptions. And if people don't like it, remember that the only people upset about you setting boundaries are the ones benefiting from you having none. Walls keep people out. Boundaries just show them where the door is. Now, I understand that the world is exciting and possibilities are endless, but operating without a master plan will just get you double and triple booked. So learn the strategies of time management. For if you don't know how to control time, it will control you. Take a moment every day at the beginning just to sit down and plan things out as best you can and utilize the planning fallacy. That's the idea where if you have a meeting scheduled for 30 minutes, well, schedule it for 45. If you think running errands is going to take you an hour, schedule it for an hour and a half. The idea is to build that time back into your day because time is the most valuable commodity we have. So use it wisely. And the most important thing to remember is take care of yourself. If you're not scheduling me time, keeping the reserve tanks full, if you're not sleeping well, if you're not taking the time to enjoy the silence, then you probably should stop being a yes man. Remember, you're not required to set yourself on fire just to keep others warm. And if you're in a leadership position, like coaching, learn to delegate. Put a coach in charge of grades, another one in charge of social media, and another one for busing, and the list goes on. To wrap this up, we need to prioritize. We need to get organized. We need to realize that it's okay to say no. Spreading yourself too thin is common, but we sacrifice so many things, including our family. And when it comes to family, it's your presence, not your productivity, that's required. Take on what you can, but take on what you can and can do efficiently. Make sure what you commit to aligns with what you are committed to. Piling too much on your plate only makes you rushed and half-dedicated, and things never get done correctly. And lastly, if you don't even have the time to do it right, when are you going to find the time to do it over? 
And those are Scott's thoughts. Once again, knocked it out of the park, Scott. As you were as you were talking, I the old uh, cliche came to me. You know, the greatest gift is your time, or the greatest mm-hmm. present is your presence. And yeah. um, it can be. I do this all the time. I, I'll be with family, and somebody a work email comes up on the phone, and ah, okay, give me two seconds, and I'll. And next thing you know, fifteen minutes have gone by, and you're working, and you don't even realize it subconsciously. It's crazy. Yeah. And, and it's, it's such a, a hard habit to break and we're all guilty of it. And, you know, and so, you know, this, this little thing was as much for me as it was for anybody else. It's just that, man, we just, somehow we've got to be conscious of it. And, and that's where it starts is just being conscious of some of these behaviors and, and realizing that, Hey, you know what? It No is a complete sentence. And yes. it's okay to say it. That's right. Uh, That was a great one, Scott. As for next week, Scott's thoughts, it's going to be somewhat similar to a topic we've already visited earlier this year, but I I thought it was a good time to to bring it up and try to explore it from a different avenue. So last week, Scott, the Grace volleyball team, they're playing in a three-team district with Chalice in Butte County, and there's only one bid to state available. And Grace and Butte County are both top three teams. Only one gets to go to state. Grace has already lost to Butte County previously in the volleyball tournament. So if they get back through, they've got to beat the Pirates not once, but twice. So Grace, last Thursday night, beats Chalice first in a loser out match, 3-0. Then they play Butte County and win 3-2, setting up the second and ultimate showdown where they win for a second time, 3-2. They played 13 sets across three matches in the span of about five or six hours. Scott, it started at about six o'clock at night. The last point wasn't scored until after midnight. It was a marathon. Grace gets to the bench during timeouts and backup players are taking ice towels and draping them around the players to try and cool them off. And so my question is, we talked about earlier this year about how do you perform under pressure when, when the spotlight and the focus is new to you? Well, it's not new to Grace. Grace is a team that's been to state numerous times and they're used to this. My question is, is how do you continue to dig deep? You can dig deep for a quarter of a football game or a five-minute burst in basketball, but when you have to play multiple matches, multiple sets in a row, boom, 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 how do you keep going to that well? How do you keep digging deep and finding the energy to accomplish what seems impossible? Wow, that is an interesting take because the contrast to that is anybody can dive deep for about five or 10 minutes, right? Right. But to keep the longevity, it it goes so much deeper than that because, you know, there's two things that just popped into my head. Number one is you've got to train your body for that longevity. But the other thing too is you have got to take care of yourself you know, because your body is going to fight you every second of the way in those marathon matches, those marathon sets, marathon games. And if you are not taking care of yourself through, you know, diet, hydration, whatever those things is, whatever those things are, then there's no way your body's going to be able to dig deep like that. So I'm really going to have to explore this one because that is a different take on how to dig deep and toughen up in a long period of time. Hmm. Okay. Challenge me on this one, Brandon. 
Yeah, it's easy to go to the well once, but how do you when you right. got to keep going back? You know, how do you how do you find the strength to do it? Because Grace did. I mean, it was incredible to see. And again, Grace and Butte County should both be at state, but that's another topic for another day, Scott. So. Oh, yes, it is, and we see that all the time. So there's a lot of a lot of things that we still have to talk about. <laughs> Yes. Well, for now, our focus is on state championships. Of course, next week, we'll we'll be here to recap state volleyball, state cross country and the quarterfinal round of the football postseason. So uh, thanks again for tuning in, everybody, to the Magic Valley Prepcast. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Maney, and we will see you next time on IdahoSports.com.